Good morning. I'm so glad that you could be here with us today, and hopefully you've got a cup of coffee and you're sitting with someone or maybe by yourself, but leaning back on the couch and you've got us out there in terms of uh, your device. We've worshiped together. How beautiful, how powerful that is. And now we want to take some time to, to really unpack some spiritual principles in this series that John led us into at the beginning of the summer. Say this, don't say that. I don't know about you, but it's been a powerful series in my life, uh, especially last week. If you didn't catch it, go online and try to pick it up. When is enough? But today we continue that series, and I want to take you to a life lesson that probably for me is one of the deepest life lessons as I look back at my life and begin to see how to really get to know God. And it really involves two words right in the middle of this series. And it's connected with a childhood game that I believe many of us, if not most of us, are quite familiar with and even played. I wonder if much of what we've learned or can learn about getting to know God can be wrapped up in this childhood game simply called hide and seek. Do you remember hide and seek? I do. In fact, still played today. Sometimes I'll go over to a, someone's house and they've got some toddlers around and it's as if those toddlers somehow were taught that same game. They're hiding and people are seeking them. Did you know that that game is actually not from the 20th century, from the 19th century, but it has literally been since the second century A.D. That's like 150 A.D. in Greece, they were playing hide and seek. And so when I start to reflect upon getting to know God in words, words that create worlds, words that change our lives, those two words, hide and seek, may be some of the most profound, powerful, penetrating words that we can use as we want to get to know God. So I just want to unpack that for the next time we have together. So sit back, enjoy your coffee, and let's unpack and revisit a childhood game together. Hide and seek. Who can't forget about playing hide and seek sometime? I remember it as a kid. I remember playing it down there at the shore. And we'd get maybe seven, eight kids from the neighborhood, and that game would come up. Some would be it, and the others would just go hide. I used to love that game. I could run like the wind and find some place to hide for a period of time. And then someone else went seeking and trying to find out where people were. I guess I'd say it simply like this. There's a time in life to hide. And there's a time in life to seek. Two words, powerful words. A time to hide and a time to seek. The first part of that game is, as you remember, hiding. One person would be it. Everybody else would hide. They'd probably count to 100 backwards. And then, ready or not, here I come. And during that time before they're coming, you look for a place. I can remember ditching behind big rhododendron bushes in my front yard, clinging up to the roots underneath, and to make sure that I wouldn't be found. 
I can still hear, in a sense, the heartbeat as I ran so fast and there tried to collect my thoughts and wondering, would I be found? That's what hide and seek is all about, a time to hide. And I think in life, there can be a lot of hiding that goes on. Some of it can be healthy hiding. And some of it can be maybe unhealthy hiding. But hide we do. If you ask me what, Dave, are some of the maybe unhealthy ways that, that we can hide because of everything that's happening around us, well, I think I'd probably start by saying trying to hide from God is kind of a really defeating thing. But we hide from God. Why do we hide from God? Well, maybe we're afraid of God. We're afraid that he isn't accepting us. We're afraid that he hasn't forgiven us. Or maybe we're just unsure of what he would do with our lives if we didn't hide from him. You know, our first parents, they, tr they tried to hide from God. And, you know, they did what they shouldn't be doing and that whole fruit tree thing. And then they hid. And what did God do when they were hiding? He went looking for them. And as he went looking for them, he did it out of his love, even for those that were hiding. And as it turns out, they said, we were hiding from you because we felt shame. There's that word again, shame. Shame can cause us to hide. And in that shame, it was God who covered them in a beautiful way so that they wouldn't feel that shame as so much turbulence came about through that disobedience. But sometimes we just try to hide from God. Have you ever done that? We know what it's like. But he's not the only one that we can hide from. Sometimes I think we can hide from ourselves. We don't like ourselves. We realize our limitations. We look back at decisions we've made and they haven't taken us where we thought they would take us. Maybe we've disappointed people. We've disappointed ourselves. And I imagine there are ways, unhealthy ways, that we can just hide from ourselves. Or maybe hide from our past. We don't like the past. We don't like what the past did to us. We haven't taken time to grieve over it. We haven't taken time to heal through it. So maybe we just pretend it never existed. We kind of hide from it. Or maybe we hide from the present. The idea that the present is kind of a mystery and of course, this COVID thing is so challenging. So many of our priorities are up in the air, and what comes in the next week and through and three weeks can even create anxiety. I imagine we could be very successful in just kind of hiding from the present, but we can't do that. We got to keep moving or hiding from the future. I don't like what the past was, I don't like what the present is. How am I going to like the future? We can hide from the future. Maybe we hide from people that are around us. I know when I'm not feeling comfortable with who God has made me, sometimes I just want to hide. And so those are all a package of ways that we as human beings find this hiding mechanism, this hide, a time to hide, a time to seek. And those have one thing in kind of common. And that is where kind of hiding by ourselves. 
I remember when I was playing hide and seek, I'd be there in the bushes, honestly, and I'd be there hidden. Tell me if you didn't do this. And I'd wonder, is the game over? Is everybody gathered for the next episode of it and I'm still hiding because I've done it so successfully? I felt isolated. I missed what was happening. It gets kind of lonely hiding by yourself. And so I'd pop my head up and see what was going on. And I think some of the things about unhealthy kind of hiding is the sense of, of self-isolation away from the people that really, really matter to us. So, so there's that unhealthy piece. But then there's this healthy hiding. A healthy time to hide. And, and, and it kind of goes like this. There's a, a beautiful verse that kind of sets this off in motion. Let me read it to you. It's from Psalm 32 and verse 7. And very simply, the word says this. You, God, are my hiding place. You, God, are my hiding place, and you fill my heart or my soul with songs of deliverance. One of the things that marks a difference between the hiding I mentioned to you previously and this hiding place that we hear about with God is that when we go to that hiding place, we're not alone. God is there. In fact, he says, he, a person, is the exact hiding place. And he beckons us to find it and to use it because it's him. A time to hide and a time to seek. Well, what, what was a hiding place? Well, well, back in those days, People were chasing you or you didn't feel comfortable about life or whatever was happening or the armies that were against you. You try to find a hiding place. And even though God had given these amazing promises to the Israelites about victory and all of this, when they got pressed in, it says they went hiding in rocks, they went hiding in cisterns, they went hiding in the rubble and stayed there as long as they could. That's called a hiding place. But you know, God had given him promises that they didn't have to isolate. They didn't have to go off that way because he would be their hiding place. The word in the original language in Hebrew can be translated different ways. It can be secret, conceal, hidden, hide, place. And so when you think about what God is saying to us, is that when things are hard, and when things are rough, and when it seems like the world is tumbling down, there is a hiding place that he has built into the human condition in the relationship that he has with us, where he calls us, he beckons us in this time to hide to find him. Well, he's always with us. He's with you right now as you're drinking your coffee on your couch. He's with you right now closer than the person next to you. So he's always with us. He says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. So what is this hiding place? 
I imagine this hiding place, again, isn't like some cleft, some cistern, but it's him. And it's probably a conscious step into realizing that in him, we indeed find our safety. In him, he conceals us. In him, he protects us. In him, no matter how hard and how turbulent and how ripping the events around us may be, he is there. I always like to say this, that God is always with us, but this is what I've learned, I think. Sometimes he just lets us know that he's here. And I think it's in that hiding place where we find him whispering to our soul of the power and the presence of the relationship of a father to a daughter, father to a son. You know, sometimes in order to enter through into that hiding place, it is always there because God is with us, but I have to step back and, and begin to understand and to live in that moment. I, I find I have to turn off devices. I don't know about you, but there's always an email. There's always a text. There's always something that's happening on our devices. There's always news that's breaking somewhere in the world that's so large. And it's as if everybody, as the Ramones used to sing, we want the airwaves. Everybody wants our airwaves. They want our clicks. They want our attention. And they drive that. And they drive that for many reasons. But sometimes I think to enter to that hiding place, to put down the devices and then go into that relationship with him that's so real. And in that silence, oftentimes, God wondrously speaks in his timing to the deepest parts of our soul. So there is a time to hide and there's a time to seek. And that time to hide is a time of hiding in him and that time to seeking. Well, that's what's that about? I can remember playing that game, and after about four or five rounds of hiding in the bushes, maybe I wanted to seek, and so I stepped forth. Well, I'll be it now. I'll be it. And suddenly, I'm counting down from 100. Everybody is scattering, and it is a time not to hide, but a time to seek. And so in that understanding of the things that help us in the growth of our relationship with God, the time to hide is cool and needed. The time to seek is just as important. Why? Well, because his word says this, that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. So I don't seek him because of the reward, but by the way, he rewards the seeking that is part of my life. So suddenly, I've counted down, ready or not, here I come, and I take off to seek whatever I can seek. I'm looking everywhere for everybody. And that's kind of like, kind of like life, isn't it? What John was talking about last week, last week he was saying, when, when is enough enough? And enough is enough when it's really enough. But, you know, this whole world system is geared 
to accentuate and activate and invigorate the searching of our life to be able to find some cool product that will literally bring life the way it should be. And so we look everywhere. I know what that's like. The latest gimmick, the latest piece of information, more popularity, more of this, more of that. So John covered that so well last week. When is enough enough? There are so many things in life. There is not enough time to seek all the things that can be sought. But I find in my life at this age, there's just a lot of stuff that, that I can seek that really isn't worth it. And then there are things that really are worth it. A time to seek, a time to seek peace between people, a time to seek justice when justice is needed, a, a time to, to seek the love and care and nurture of my spouse if I'm called to marriage or relationship and my kids and my, my, my friends and, and all of these things. There's, there's good things to seek. And in the middle of it is, is this, this God, this great, amazing God who, who says that if you seek me, you know, you're going to find me. And if you seek me, I'm a reward. Well, why do we have to seek God? Because he's, he's with us always anyway, isn't he? Well, he is. But remember what I said, God is always with us. But just sometimes he lets us know that he's there. And he does that on his timing. Why does, why does God call us to seek him? Because actually, go figure this. In the Old Testament, it says that God is a God who, who hides himself a little bit. Well, why would God hide himself? That doesn't seem fair. I mean, why doesn't he just come out and just let us all know in even more unbelievable ways that he's got like and I always say this like why doesn't he just write on the moon hi it's me God well because within two hours <coughs> people are gonna say it's fake news it's fake photography all of the atheists are gonna show and blame it on the Russians or the Chinese or whatever you want to blame it on and they would disavow it it's not gonna capture their hearts and actually, the way God moves in our life is oftentimes very, very subtly. In my life, the most profound theological statement that anybody, anybody has ever said to me came out of a NA, Narcotics Anonymous meeting, where a guy came up to me and he goes, I follow a higher power, Jesus, who makes miracles look like coincidences and then he says don't tell anybody that i did this why would jesus do that it was me i'd be saying just put this all over the news because this is a big thing that's not how jesus operates that's not how god operates he's very subtly takes his time i said well if i have to seek god how do I do that in a world that's so complicated and busy? God seems slow. But God isn't slow. He's faster than the fastest computer. 
that human beings will ever devise. Just look at the cosmos. He's probably slowing down because we're slowed down. And in order to really impact our heart, he knows he has to take time to nurture us over years and sometimes decades. And so he calls us to seek him and to find him. And he calls us to work through our lives that often takes years and years and years. So it's not instant. But maybe we say, if, if, if I am called to seek God, I have to become a monk. No, it doesn't say that anywhere. It'll make me weird. No, it doesn't say that anywhere. People will think I'm strange. It doesn't say that. Jesus was really a pretty regular guy and lived in a very regular world and called us as his followers not to seclude ourselves, but to be regular people doing the Beatitudes in a complicated world. It's for today. So, so, so David, how do, I, how do I seek God? Well, I, I think that's the beautiful piece of it. You, you know, what I've learned is you can't follow the next person. You can't follow Joe wakes up at 3 in the morning and Joan stays up till 1 o'clock in the morning and Fred does this and all these names I'm just popping into my head because that's the way it works for them. But, but God really treats us as individuals. He knows us. And he calls us to do something, and someone way before me talked about it. It's called practicing the presence of God. It's just, just knowing that he's there and through the day, very naturally, talking with him and hearing him. And once in a while, finding these times where I can just get away, leave the devices behind, and seek him. And as I seek him, God says he'll be a rewarder. Yeah, but, but, but Jesus didn't live in New Jersey. And for those of you who live in other places, he didn't live in your state. If he lived now, it would be different. No, no, it really wouldn't be different. Because to that group of people, they just had the same amount of time that we have 24-7. We have all the time there is. Nobody's missing. No one's hiding an hour. You have what I have, what they had. And they had a lot of time. They had to work just to survive. And so, so what we find in that is, is Jesus just probably calling us to, to practice his presence and, and to recognize that he'll enter into that time and minister to us. We have time. You may take your practice, a half hour, whatever you want to do. We find time in our lives to just seek him. And, and he says this. He goes, if you seek first the kingdom of God, he says everything will be added to you. Really? That's kind of a nice piece. Well, well, God, if I do that, is seeking you, meaning I, I can't spend time with my spouse or my friends or my kids or, or no, 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 because Jesus sought his father, but he was all involved with people in a really love, wonderful way. When I, when I love my spouse, I'm kind of loving on God. And when I'm loving my kids, I, I'm doing the things that God wants me to be doing. And, and when I'm, I'm loving on the homeless, 
I, I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do. Because he said, he said to them, he goes, he said, you visited me in prison. You visited me when I was naked. You visited me when I was thirsty. You gave me a glass of water. And the disciples looked at him and said, Lord, why don't we do this? We didn't do this stuff. And he said, yeah, but when you do it to the least of them, you do it to me. So I find that there's a time to hide, a time to seek. But a time to seek is, is to me the greatest adventure in life. It doesn't take me behind a couch. It doesn't take me into only the prayer closet where I close a door. It takes me to the streets. It takes me to the disadvantaged. It takes me to the hungry and to the thirsty. It takes me to those that don't have food. It takes me to those who are in prison, and I've done that. It takes me to places like Guatemala. It's the most exciting part of life. And so as I wrap that all up today, it really dawns on me that so much of what I've learned about finding God in daily life just goes back to that simple little game, that simple little game of hide and seek. There's a time to hide, a time to seek. And I close with this. God doesn't play hide-and-seek because it's not a game. But if you look, God tells us that he hides. And he tells us that he seeks. He hides for reasons that are known to him. And he seeks, as we find in the Gospels, to take care and to seek and save that which is lost. So God knows that game. It's a game we've all been aware of. A time to hide. A time to seek. Let's think about that. Employ those two words. Because those two words can create worlds and create my new world, our new world, of a spiritually rich experience. Have a fabulous day and a fabulous week. Hide and seek. God bless you all.